It says the Paraduma made pure those who were impure and made impure those who are pure. So one of the Hasidic translations of that is is that um, the Paraduma is the idea of feeling self-worth, feeling your own your own your own virtues. So you think that when you feel your own virtues that it's arrogance and that it's, it makes you impure. But the truth is that when a person makes a mistake, what ends up happening is, is you start looking at yourself in the mirror, you start saying to yourself that you're unable, unable doing good things because of the stuff that you've done. And because you now define yourself by your mistakes, you're unable to do anything good anymore because, because you're... Uh, um, because of all the terrible things you did. What you need to do at that time is you need to remind yourself of the, of the wonderful things you did do. You, you need to remind yourself of the, of the people's lives that you've touched, the people that you've helped, the lips you helped to smile and the eyes you caused to sparkle. In the Lachir, it sounds like you're making yourself tummy, make yourself impure. So it's true that arrogance can make a person impure. Arrogance, the self-worth, when it's in the wrong way, makes someone who is, who is, uh, who is pure impure if it's done in the wrong measurement. But on the other hand, someone who is impure, someone who is not the way he's supposed to be, he needs that feeling of self-worth. Otherwise, he's, he's, he, to purify himself, that, that, that sense of self-worth purifies him. It opens doors for him. That's thinking like, I could do something with my life. Um, I don't want to talk about the, uh, the, the, the news about uh, various Jews who have Rachon uh, al committed suicide but that's what suicide comes from suicide comes from looking at the world and saying there is no uh, okay I guess I'm just going to talk about it but uh, in short here in the chair funnel slant suicide is a result of not being able to see forward not being able to see in front of you and uh, there's a spiritual concept and a more subtle way of suicide where, where you feel like you can't do anything good and that's, that, that's a result of, of being too hard on yourself. And that, as a result of that, what happens is, is that you can't, you can't help anyone else either because, oh, you, you, because of the way you look at yourself. So, so we're talking about this idea of, of, uh, of putting yourself in the same boat as others and, uh, and, and realizing, finding, finding your own, uh, identifying other people's mistakes with your own um, and finding whatever mistakes you find in other people, finding it in some subtle way in yourself, um, it, it doesn't mean to feel like a doormat. It doesn't mean to, to, to make your, to paralyze yourself. Okay, let's continue on on uh, page 346. Now let's go back to understand the explanation of the Ruach If you remember, we had two translations of this Pasuk. One translation that we began with was, if the spirit of the ruler tries to get you, the ruler means the Yitzhahara, don't leave your place, don't leave your set times you have for studying Torah. Keep your time of studying Torah, because Torah will heal you. And Torah will heal you from all the great mistakes. That's the first explanation. Now we started talking at length. In the second explanation, if a spirit of leadership, God grants you a spirit of leadership, you become a leader over, over in some way, so don't leave your humility. That's the second explanation. Let's go back to the first explanation. The spirit of leadership means the Yitzhahara. 
Now let's go back and understand what the Targum Yenison explains. The Ruach HaMeishel refers to the Yitzhahara, the In Ruach Ruch Yitzhah Mbishim Misalbach. If the Yitzhahara starts to control you, the Ba'el Mazeshu Makam Cheshach Afela, and in this world, which is a place of darkness, Afela is another word for darkness. It's a, it's it, it, elsewhere in Chesis. There is a distinction between Cheshach and Afela. Um, if I remember correctly. Um, thing, physical things could be called dark because you don't see God's vivifying force creating everything every moment. But non-kosher things, that are the, the, those things are afela. They, they, they not only do they um, do, does their existence not express the truth of Hashem; it says the opposite. And sometimes there are things which are just like, you know, just like uh, seem to have no value. In a way, those things could be even more confusing. That's why. One of the plagues this week we learned about this, the plague of the frogs. At least um, snakes and scorpions make you question why does Hashem make them. They make you think about God. But there are some things that God made that, that, that just make you think like it's all just random. And that's why Hashem specifically uh, used frogs to attack the Egyptians to bring out the point that even that which seems apathetic to, to the whole question of, of God's reality are also part of the equation. Um, that's why I like it in our show. We have some some uh, actors from uh, from some Yiddish um, movies and Jewish movies. I always think the people in the Jewish movies, they're the ones who are uh, they're the most. They just don't, they don't care. They, they know better. You know, the whole thing is not. But Rabbi Cohen and Baruch Neufeld, they're from the from the Frisco kid. You know, it makes you realize that these Yidden. The Eden, which are like, it's like, the whole thing doesn't matter to them. No, they're from Eden, keep their mitzvahs. I don't know, that's just my own Yitzhahara's um, uh, way of realizing the truth. Moving right along. The Be'el Ma'azeh. No, you understand what I'm saying? Who, no, no, no. There are people who, who like, 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 like go against Yiddishkeit. It's, it's bad. Okay, so then they're at least talking about Yiddishkeit. Some people like, there's a thing called Yiddishkeit. Let, and, let's, let, let, and, and, and let's be nostalgic about it. And these people coming from, for me, it's like, wow. That, that's like the frogs for me. Anyways. In this world, which is a place of darkness, and a phalo, a deeper kind of darkness, and especially during the time of Golas, when darkness covers the earth, so chas v'shalom yitzahara is the one that controls everything. Not only does he control you, but which means he is rising above you. As the Gemara says, every single day exerts himself to be victorious over you. So what should you do? Don't leave your place. The good place that you're accustomed to go, don't leave. What's the good place? A good place is here, guys, we're in the good place. We're learning Torah. This is a good place. Don't leave this. This is a good thing. Because with the words of Torah, the words of Torah create a healing in the world. The words of Torah heal the consumer of godliness in the world. By strengthening yourself in a good place, through this, you will cast away the great sins. Through this, you'll get out of all kinds of, of challenges. What this means is, 
Then the Omer Azal in Pogabach Munavaz Yitzhara Mashrebis Hamedish. The Gemara says, if the vile one comes and attacks you, who is the vile one? Rashi says the vile one is Yitzhara, drag him to the base of Medish, drag him to the house of study. Because the Torah heals the animal soul. When we say the Torah heals, there's two parts to this. Just like we said before about Ruach HaMeshel, the spirit of leadership referring to actual leadership, that we said there's two translations of the word, one is that you shouldn't be so uh, strong in your position and, and rule over other people, and, uh, and the, the second explanation is that you'll be able to heal other people's uh, uh, mistakes, you'll be able to help other people. So, there's, so marpe means to be weak, and marpe means to heal. By you being weak about your own arrogance and letting go of your arrogance, you'll be able to heal other people. So too, when we're saying Ruach HaMeshel refers to not your position of leadership, but Yetzirah's leadership and trying to control you. So hold on to the words of Torah, and then two things. One is weak, and one is healing. What does that mean? What are the two words, weak and healing? What do they have to do with words of Torah and the Yetzirah? What, the, what does it mean? The word marpe means to heal, and marpe also means to be weak. The godly soul is dressed in the animal soul. It's within the animal soul. And in this relationship, the godly soul's powers are revealed in the animal soul. He explains. Yeah, the word Torah, not the word Torah, Torah itself is called strength, and it's called something that breaks something. The Torah batters the power of the animal soul, and it empowers the godly soul. As a Pasuk says, God gives strength to his people. What does it mean, God gives strength to his people? How does he give us strength? So it's translated in Aramaic to mean, God gave Torah to his people. How does God give us strength through Torah? When you learn Torah, Torah gives you the power and nourishes you to overcome your animal soul. It also weakens the power of desire of your animal soul. Okay, so the godly soul is connected to the animal soul. And when you learn Torah, first of all, the animal soul gets weaker. That's the first translation of the word marpe. Marpe means to get weaker. You weaken the animal soul. And also, refuah also heals the animal soul. The godly soul, not only does it, we, not only does Torah cause the animal soul to be weaker, but also that the, it makes it possible for the godly soul to affect, a, to touch the animal soul and to change it. Torah does that. Okay, now we're going to discuss the whole idea of Torah. There are three elements in Torah. In one Pasuk it says the Torah is called inheritance. As it says in the Pasuk, the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu commanded us is inheritance of the Jewish congregation. 
So that's how Torah is called inheritance. Sometimes it's, that's the reference how, how the Torah refers to itself. On the other hand, in Perkyavis it says, you need to prepare yourself to study Torah. It's not an inheritance. It seems to contradict what the other verse says that it's called the inheritance. Which one is it? Don't say, because my dad is wise, therefore I'll be wise too without any effort. Don't say that. In fact, elsewhere the Gemara says, the Gemara actually uses the phrase, how come the children of the wise aren't wise? Uh, the Gemara gives various reasons for that. One reason is people shouldn't think that it's a genealogical thing, that it's uh, reserved for those people, those families of, of, of Torah scholars. And the other explanation it says in the Gemara is that they step on the heads of the people, people who are in a position of authority, who, who, who uh, speak um, uh, with niggardy about others. Um, they, they are punished, that their children don't go on their path. So they, they can tell that it's not, it's not you have blue blood, therefore you, you know Torah. So anyway, so, so, so don't say, Rashi says, that because my dad is wise, I'll be wise too without any effort. So, I don't, don't say that it's inheritance, I don't, I don't need to work for it. It's not. You have to work for it. So on one hand, Torah is called inheritance. On the other hand, it says it's not inheritance. It says the opposite. You need to work for it. And there's a third expression about Torah. It says in a third place in the Torah, place number one says it is inheritance. Place number two says it's not inheritance. It doesn't say what it is. Place number three in the Torah, it says Torah is a gift. It says there are three things that are a gift to the world. And one of them is Torah. Torah, the luminaries, and rain. So which one is it? Is Torah a gift? Is Torah inheritance? Is Torah specifically not inheritance? What's going on? So the answer is, there's three elements within, within the Torah itself. These three elements in Torah are three different levels within Torah, and they are diverse in their very core. When it says in the, in the Pirkei Yavis, prepare yourself to study Torah, so besides the fact that that's correct, that Haskin does mean to prepare, as um, it says in another Pasuk, he he prepare to greet your God. That's, that Pasuk talks about preparing for davening, how you're supposed to prepare for davening, uh, doing various things like giving staka, wearing chsidis, so uh, preparing your clothing, uh, you're supposed to wear clothing fit to see a king when you, when you daven. So, that, so the word means to prepare yourself. Unculus translates, adorn yourself to receive the study of Torah. Besides the fact that you need to prepare yourself prior to studying Torah, the study of Torah itself requires great effort. Rabbeinu Yehna says, you know what it means to prepare yourself to study Torah? You need to have good character in order that you should study Torah and you should reach 
the virtue of chassidus. To reach, to reach a virtue of piety, you have to have good character prior to the study of Torah. It's like we just said in the morning blessings. We say in the morning blessings, we say, may the words of Torah be sweet in our mouths. And one of the explanations is that Torah should enjoy being in our mouth. If our mouth is a mouth that speaks Lashon Hara and speaks not good things, so Torah doesn't enjoy being there. So in order for the Torah to reside in you, to impact you, you have to have good character first. So that's the meaning of prepare yourself to study Torah. Rabbi Yehuda says, you know how you prepare yourself? You've got to be a mensch. Derech Eretz come la Torah. They have Derech Eretz first, and then the Torah could reach you. She'en Yerushalach. Because it's not inheritance. The ain edeme k'meibin Yerushalach b'lei Terech v'yigia, ha'asharach v'yigia. It's not like an inheritance, but you receive without any effort. It requires effort. Mitzvah l'me Torah, g'diya sh'v'teira. The mitzvah of Torah study is to know the Torah. And you can only, can only know the Torah if you work on it. That's an apostle. God will do for those who await Him. That's what Pasuk says. God will perform for those who are waiting for Him. <coughs> who, are, <coughs> who are those who are considered to be waiting for God? Those who are, who are uh, so to speak, holding His doorknob. By the way, today is the anniversary of passing the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe said, before he passed away, those who hold on to my doorknob, I will do kindness to them. I will, I will, I will help them. I will do, I will do a teva for those who hold on to my doorknob. Um, so the, the Hashem says, I will do for those who wait for me, those who are yearn for me. So the Zohar says, who are those who yearn for Hashem? It says the Zohar, those who are who who look at the words of wisdom of the Torah. And they are medayik in it. They look at it with precision. They want to understand it. They, they, they go through it and they mefalfal, they, they, they dissect it. Those are the ones that Hashem responds to, says the Zohar. In order to understand the depth of the Torah, it's through an effort. As it says in the Talmud, if someone tells you, I've tried and I haven't been successful, don't believe them. If someone says, it says, I haven't tried and been successful, don't believe them either. How's your 12 sukkim going? You got, you're doing well 12 sukkim? Well, if someone said, I've tried and I am successful, only then believe him. You don't tell you not 12 sukkim up your heart? No? If I send you a recording, can you, can you listen to it on the way to your next journey in, in, in uh, rural uh, Georgia? There's 12 Torah verses that Rebbe says to memorize. It's a very, very good thing to do. Anyways, uh, so it's 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 something you're supposed to have with you all the time. So you could re- review these verses because these Torah verses are, have the answers to all, all the things that we wonder about. Okay, the below yigi without an effort you cannot you cannot make it happen. Actually, when Rebbe originally taught several verses to be part of the twelve, 12, 12, 12 part of the twelve Torah passages, and Rebbe added several afterwards. And when Rebbe added this verse that we just quoted, uh, from the, the Talmud, if someone says, I tried and, I haven't, and, I'm six, and I, I've uh-huh. tried and been successful, believe him. So when Rebbe taught it, Rebbe said that, Rebbe, Rebbe said this is referring to tshuva. A person might say, I've been unsuccessful and, I, and it didn't work and I made a mistake. So the Abish tells a person who's made a mistake, a guide to us at Haman, just try, you're going to make it. Okay. Someone who is sharp. He has a good mind. 
Although with his sharpness, he's able to know Torah, understand Torah. You can't compare the gift of people who are sharp to the gift of those people who are deep. Someone who is sharp gets ter- yeah, he gets it quickly. But someone who's who learns it deeply, he um, he he he's a whole different level. That's why I always okay. I always lose in chest to my father-in-law, Nangazunt, because he's deep. He doesn't he doesn't, doesn't like the, the, the I, 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 my quick explanation for things. He, I, I, he says, let, one second, let's, let's look at this. It goes deeper and deeper and deeper. That's the meaning of the Pasuk. The Torah is an inheritance to the community of Yaakov because um, the Torah has a third element. The Torah is an inheritance. There's an element of Torah that we receive without any effort whatsoever. Not only is there a part of Torah that we get without effort, but according to, to the rule of Torah, all inheritors, all those who inherit, uh, are equal. And the one who passed away, the one who was bequeathing his inheritance, it's without his decision, they're all equal. Not because he says they all should be equal. They all become equal naturally, halachically. If someone says, I don't want that child to inherit with his brothers, the Gemara says his words are meaningless. He, does no, he has no jurisdiction over this. He's making a condition against the Torah says, and therefore his words are meaningless. So according to Torah, if, if you inherit from someone else, you're all the same as everyone else. The one who um, inherits, inherits without the decision of the one who inherits bequeaths the inheritance. We get the firstborn gets a double share. True. That's an exception to the general rule. Correct. So the Torah comes through effort. That's the first thing we spoke about in Torah. Second of all, Torah is inheritance you get for free. And third of all, Torah is called a gift. A gift is not given to someone with because of effort. You don't get a gift because you tried hard. If you get a gift because you worked, that's called getting paid. A gift is not a reward. It's not, it's not payment. However, it's not accurate to say either that a gift is given for nothing. When do you give a gift? The Gemara says, unless a person would have caused you some kind of gratification, you would never be inspired to give a gift. You only want to give a gift to someone who you feel pleasure from. That's what's inspiring the gift. So, so it's not payment. It's not payment. Payment is commensurate to what the job was. On the other hand, there is some relationship between what has been done and the gift. It's not a direct relationship. It's not, it's not commensurate to exactly what was done to the gift. But there is some kind of Response that you're having inside of you that's motivating you to give the gift, and that response is what is based upon what the other person has done for you. It has to do with the choice of the giver, unlike inheritance, as we said before, goes without any um, the choice, and it has to do with the closest you have to when you're giving the gift to. There is a difference 
between the people that this person wants to give, give a gift to. He gives different gifts to different people. Let's say this stranger did a favor for you, make you feel good. He caused nachas to you, a stranger. Well, let's say your son or a relative of yours caused you pleasure. They, they did something for you. Who, was, who would you give a bigger gift to? So it's not just that the person memorized a chapter of Vishnayas. Your son memorized a chapter of Vishnayas, and, and uh, someone else's child memorized a chapter of Vishnayas. And it's the same chapter, and they the same, and the same uh, effort. They both put in a half hour to memorize a chapter of Vishnayas. But, and you have nachas from both of them. But who is the one you want to give a gift to more? It's the one who's closer to you. You can't compare so besides the pleasure from the actual thing the person has done, there's also another element, and that's the closeness you have with that person. It has to do with your decision. So therefore, the three elements in Torah are diverse in their very core. The first element in Torah is you cannot know Torah, the mitzvah to know Torah, you cannot know Torah unless you work. As much as you work, that's how much you're going to know. Well, it, we quoted the words of the Gemara before, which says, if someone says, I've tried and I've been successful, believe him, the word successful in Hebrew that we're, we're translating as successful actually means, I've found. Someone says, I've tried and I have found, believe him. And that always emphasizes that when you make an effort, not only do you, are you successful, commensurate your efforts, but you also find a metziah, you also find beyond your efforts. Hashem gives a blessing to your efforts so that there's something unexpected, like something that you've, like a lost object that you suddenly discovered. So, number one, though, the first element of Torah is based upon your efforts. You work, and therefore you know. Second element of Torah is its inheritance. It comes out of the effort, and everyone inherits, inherits it the same. And the third is, it's a gift, and depends upon the choice of the giver. So we're going to explain to Shem what all these three things mean in Torah. So far, all we've explained is how, that these what these three things are in our lives. What inheritance means, what payment means and what a gift means and then we'll see how these three things uh, apply to Torah and the reason we got in this discussion is to recap again we started today going back to the Targum Yenison who says if the Yitzhahara starts up with you bring them base Medish study Torah that's the antidote that's what you should do to get rid to, to, to for these challenges of Yitzhahara bring them to base Medish don't leave your place and to explain why Torah is what's necessary to take care of the Yitzhahara, we start explaining what Torah is about, and we have these three elements in Torah, inheritance, payment, and gift, which we're going to learn tomorrow what those things are within Torah. Torah is not commenting on, like, Ruach HaMoshul is not saying somebody who positional leadership, you're just saying general Yitzhahara, right? General Yitzhahara, correct. You, you, know, you, you mentioned mm-hmm. that came in about suicide the inability to see forward. Yeah. I've been involved yeah. in the Foundation for Suicide um, Association for 19 years. I've never heard it condensed so concisely as that. There was another remark that you made about... That's on my own. I heard in D.D. Hirsch. I went to D.D. Hirsch uh, yeah. program about suicide. That's, that's yeah. what I learned from. Yeah, that's... U